We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. This is Sean Azaro, and you are listening to Reaching for Real Life. Welcome to Reaching for Real Life, the podcast, the radio show, a very special broadcast today. Uh, Baron Wiley here, and uh, Pastor Sean Azaro on remote location. First of all, how I are am, you? I'm doing great, doing great. I'm feeling great. My spirit is full. Uh, the Lord is good. Great. I'm thankful. But I'm already exhausted, and it's just the first full day of Yaya Pops Camp. That's right. That's right. Congratulations. How many kids are in the backyard right now? Uh, there are five, uh, and Yaya is now bearing the uh, weight That's of the right. camp. Because you had to step away to do the ever-faithful Reaching for Real Life radio show and podcast. Oh, that's right. Well, Baron, that's what we do. We're, we're <laughs> consistent. She says, boy, I wish you were consistent with the Yaya Pops camp. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's been great. The kids are having a good time. We have little uh, Moses now, uh, our two-year-old grandson. So uh, he's having a blast. The joy. That- oh, it is. It is so much fun, man. We get we get all of our grandkids, which is just five at this point. We have five grandkids. Uh, we do games. We do competitions. We did a big obstacle course this morning. Of course, there's lots of swimming, food. They have they, we have devotions in the morning. We have a Bible verse they're memorizing. We yeah. Have, what's, what, um, what's the verse? You know, today? Yeah. So, uh, well, we're we're doing uh, the you know Jesus. What's the greatest commandment? You oh, know? Okay. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So you're not ready. They're not ready for predestination or uh, dispensationalism or anything like that. Oh no, 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 no. We're <laughs> of course uh, our eschatology is going to be tomorrow, exactly. and I'm very excited about that. Moses is really leaning amillennial, so we're a little mm. concerned. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's hilarious. I love it. Well, Pastor Sean, we've got a very, very special program today. Yeah, yeah, we do. Uh, Our guest is Mark Paoletta. He has had an incredible Washington career. Uh, Uh It's hard even to to describe because he's a specialist in congressional investigations. Uh, He served as counsel to multiple White House administrations. Uh, He was actually involved in the vetting of two Supreme Court justices, uh, Clarence Thomas and Neil Gorsuch. And we're going to talk about his book that is out called Created Equal, Clarence Thomas in His Own Words. Uh, Mark is a big deal, and we're really uh, grateful to have him. And it helps that you're a fan of uh, Clarence Thomas. Oh, yeah. No, no. I I remember uh, his confirmation hearings and just how he seemed like such a decent man. And Mm -hmm. then the accusations made by Anita Hill and how the bizarre thing is that it's like her behavior was very inconsistent with someone who would have gone through what she claimed to have gone through. She claimed he uh, harassed her, said inappropriate things, made her uncomfortable, and then followed him to like another job and mm-hmm. went with him and, you know, continued to have a relationship with him as far as on a professional level. And so it's just like, you know, a lot of things don't connect. And then, of course, the whole thing was just this big media thing, which the media was all over. And then he's just confirmed. And, oh, well, that's it. Right. And it just goes to show you the brokenness of the Washington uh, establishment. It goes to show you how media is just a train wreck. And uh, the more throughout the years that I've watched Clarence Thomas, the more I've found him to be an amazingly 
decent, upstanding uh, individual. He's like the senior mm-hmm. conservative on the Supreme Court. So I- I'm looking forward to talking to Mark. Mark uh, has known him, uh, has a friendship with he and his wife, Jenny. So it- it's going to be a great interview. Well, I think we got him on the line right now. Pastor Sean, are you ready? Awesome. I'm ready to go. Well, I'm here with Mark Paoletta. Mark, thank you so much for being with us. It means a lot. We appreciate it. Sean, thanks for having me on. Now, we're going to talk about your book, Created Equal, Clarence Thomas in His Own Words. You're technically listed as a co-author, but the book is written a little differently. Why don't you tell us a little bit about how it's put together? Sure. And I'll just take you back to this book is a follow-on to a fabulous documentary called Created Equal, Clarence Thomas in His Own Words, which Michael Pack, who's a wonderful director, made in 2020. It was released in 2020. And I was involved with that documentary. And the documentary is really like a one-on-one discussion with Justice Thomas. It has some film clips and, and stuff like that from his life. It also has some sequences with Ginny Thomas. But to make that movie, Michael Pack interviewed Justice Thomas for 25 hours. Okay. <laughs> Unprecedented of any justice ever in history. And at Justice Thomas's suggestion, Michael Pack interviewed Ginny Thomas for six hours. Justice Thomas said something like, if you really want to get to know me, you know, you should talk to my wife too. So uh, Michael Pack interviewed Ginny for six hours. So it's like over 30 hours of interviews and to make a movie, right, which is going to be shown on PBS, that's only two hours. So, and there's a bunch of clips. So you maybe have like an hour and change of Justice Thomas talking, right, Right, on his life and all that stuff. So watching this film get made and seeing all the great sequences that I saw, because I was in these interviews, you know, and all these great exchanges, I thought, wow, that's a, that's a fantastic sequence. You know, that's going to be great in the movie. And then you learn it's not going in the movie because there's only two hours. Um, <laughs> and it was killing me that, that all these great things that were in my mind were not going to be in the, in the film. And so it became, let's gather this up and make it into a book length interview. And so that's uh, what we did. I, I sort of pulled it all together. There's a lot of footnotes in the back, but, but the bulk of the book is Justice Thomas, you know, kind of the extended interview of Justice Thomas on right. his life, on issues, on judging, on everything under the sun. And it's really an intimate conversation with, with the justice. It's amazing. And when you consider those that many hours of talk with maybe the least talkative, at least perception-wise, Judge, Justice Thomas seems so so quiet and such a just easygoing gentleman. And, you know, when I heard about this, one of the first things I did is I went and I watched the documentary. It was amazing. It is so powerful. I've seen it a number of times and every time just gives me chills and I I just love it. He's so electrifying. You know what I mean? He just draws you in. And that's the thing about that's the biggest disconnect, Sean. It's like Justice Thomas is the most engaging and fun and funny uh, person you will meet. He's just so engaging with anyone. You know, and as Justice Sotomayor said the other day, like he knows everybody in the Supreme Court building, right, from the janitor to the justice. And that comes from talking, you know what I mean? And interacting right. with people, learning about them. I've known the justice for th- more than 30 years, and I've seen that, and lots of his friends have, and he does give speeches in different venues, but the media has made it, right, that um, in partly from sort of not asking questions on the, uh, on the bench a lot, which we right. can get to, that they've created this, this image of Justice Thomas as somebody who doesn't talk. But the, and it kind of runs into what I view as like the racism directed at Justice Thomas, right? And so this, so this book and the movie was just so revelatory, I think, to a lot of people uh, out there. And, 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 the, and the movie came about in a way because of the continual attacks on Justice Thomas. You may recall there was a movie in 2016 called Confirmation 
that was with Kerry Washington, which was like another smear job on Justice yeah. Thomas. Yeah. And I was so angry about that film. It had been like the third anti-Thomas film, I think, over the years. I was interested in finding somebody and working with somebody to do a fair movie on Justice Thomas and, you know, connect it up with Michael Pack. So that's the genesis of it. I'm so glad that you, you saw the movie because, uh, like I said, the movie is so emotional with the images and yeah. Justice Thomas talking and the you know scenes from the confirmation and from his youth and all that. The book goes deeper and it is, it is broader and it's really, it's just a different experience. And, I, and so both of them together is like the perfect way to see it. Cause all the stuff in the movie is in the book. And then the book is just a lot more. So you're going to get the, the high-tech lynching speech, right? You're going to have that exchange with Justice Thomas and, and, and Joe Biden during the hearing, right? Which always gets the most laughs, right? Yes. In the movie. So you have everything in the movie. It's just, it was so much cut away that, that, that we wanted to make this book. Wow. The movie was compelling. I've skimmed the book. I haven't read the entire book, but I look forward to it because this is usually it's usually done the other way around. Usually there's a book and they make a movie on it. Uh, This is really an interesting process in that we get to see more. Uh, Justice Thomas really is a true American success story. I mean, he was raised in rural Georgia in the Jim Crow South, hardship, poverty, family instability, and of course, the racial segregation. Uh, How did you feel as you walked through this process and really kind of went deeper with him? His life is the most amazing life because, you know, in terms of you talk about being born in 1948 in rural Georgia, where the uh, right outside of Savannah, uh, state enforced segregation, but into a family, right, that is nobody reads, right? It's basically an illiterate family. And his mom is a maid, the wonderful people. I know them. I know his his mom well, but it's just coming out of that, that, that environment, and, you know, and how it just changes, right, when he goes to live with his grandfather. And Justice Thomas always recognizing the things in his life that were life-changing. One was going to live with his grandfather, with his brother, when he was seven years old. And the other one is going to being enrolled into the Catholic school in Savannah, run by these Irish, tough Irish nuns. Right. Uh, that instill both of them, the grandfather, grandparents, grandfather, really, and, and um, the, the sisters, the nuns. Um, about hard work, you know, discipline, no victimhood, right? right? Accountability. And that's what sets him on his path to sort of rise up. And, and, and I think I would argue more than any justice, maybe going back to our founding in terms of the, where he started and where he ended up um, yeah. is, is, is a further journey than any justice in history. No, I, I absolutely agree. I've always been a fan just based on the things I've read of his or that I've heard him say and speak, this whole process just brings all that to life. Now, the timeliness of your book coming out is just fortuitous. Uh, he's been in the news a whole lot lately, uh, post Dobbs. Uh, what's funny is there's almost more anger being vented towards him than Justice Alito, who wrote the majority opinion. Um, why do you think he's such the lightning rod on this? I'm a big believer that the left hates Clarence Thomas because he's a black conservative who dares to have right. his own thoughts and the left thinks that you have to have certain thoughts based on the color of your skin. It's utterly racist. Right. And they've been coming after Clarence Thomas since he came to Washington, D.C. or came into the Reagan administration, as you saw in the movie, in 1980, right? When he gives that interview with Juan Williams and they attack him um, and then they continue to attack him in the, 
in, in, in the Reagan administration, the most racist terms, right? Black and white kind of coming after Justice Thomas. And he explains it all. That's the amazing thing, right? Yeah. He understands what's going on, right? You're not singing from the song, the same song sheet. So license is given to destroy you. So he gets it. And I think what's happening particularly right now is that they wanted to destroy him during the confirmation. They wanted to, as he says, marginalize him once he gets on the court. And you know what, Sean? 30 years later, right? Justice Thomas is at his zenith. Yeah. All of these opinions, I would argue, the Dobbs, the Second Amendment, the Coach Kennedy case on religious right. liberty, right? Um, the EPA case on the administrative state. Justice Thomas has been writing on all of these things for 30 years and been the intellectual leader. And even though Alita wrote the opinion, right? Or Gorsuch wrote, uh, you know, now all of those uh, justices are great justices, but to me, the leader is Clarence Thomas. And that's why the left is so mad. They tried to destroy him yeah. and they can't believe that this guy who hasn't bowed to them at all is up there. When they tried to, when he first came on, right? You draw those disgusting racist cartoons of Justice Thomas shining the shoes of Antonin Scalia, right? Um, yep. Showing up in a clan outfit. These are like pictures in the movie for your, for your listeners. I mean, it's just utterly disgusting. But here he is 30 years later, the greatest term maybe in, you know, in, in the past yeah, hundred yeah. years. And it's Clarence Thomas, who's the person who started it all, is the senior justice there now. And they're just enraged by it. Yeah. Our guest is Mark Paoletta. Um, he is co-author, maybe he would say editor of the book, Created Equal, Clarence Thomas in his own words. There's a documentary by the same name. I, I highly recommend you check it out. I highly recommend you check the book out. Recently, Mark, Hillary Clinton made a statement that really shows how unhinged these people are becoming. It's like, it's like the exact opposite of Clarence Thomas. She said, she referred to him as a person of grievance. And then she said, yeah, resentment, grievance, and anger. He's exactly not like that. How, why do you think that is? How do you think he has, because he comes off as such a, an unaffected person. He really, it seems like a joyful kind of humble yet focused man. So first of all, just start with Hillary Clinton calling somebody else filled with grievance. I mean, that's the most hysterical thing in the world. She is the queen of grievance, right? I mean, everything is somebody else's fault. And somehow she was the victim of the 2016 or that, you know, all these different things that are just absolutely insane. Um, And she's been doing that for 30 years and she's maybe the most unliked person uh, in politics today. But sure, go ahead, call Clarence Thomas uh, grievance filled. I mean, (laughs) you hit it right on the head. And I've used this word, Sean, it is joyful. Clarence Thomas loves like what he's doing. He loves his friends. He loves his life. And and you may have seen that a little bit down in old Parkland, which was right after that leak. And Clarence Thomas was talking about the leak. And he he was laughing up a storm about, uh, you know, he was, I think, kind of trolling the press. And he said, I'll retire when I do my job as poorly as you do yours. Uh, and then he burst out <laughs> laughing. And so the reason, he, you know why? Because he doesn't care what they think. He has his friends, he has his faith, and he loves his clerks. His clerks mean so much to him, more than any other justice, right? I, and I shouldn't say it like that. There's a, a connection with the, the Thomas Clerk world, it's called. That is yeah, just, yeah. there's nothing like it. And it all comes from him being joyful. And giving and humble. And I can tell you so many stories right after the confirmation I went through, I worked on his confirmation. It was very close to him. And I got diagnosed with cancer a few months later and, Mm -hmm. you know, went through chemo. Clarence Thomas called or came over my house 
every single day, right? This is when he's been beat up, right? And a couple months later, and he's just giving, right? And that's, and it took me out, came by with books, came by with food, took me out to restaurants, looking out for me. And I was you were 30 years a- old. You were an attorney who was just part of the vetting process, correct? So that was so your was, connection to him. Yeah. So I'd met him in 83, but essentially I was in the White House. Um, and in 1989, I reached out to him to, to help vet him and got to know him. But then I worked on his confirmation. So I was his right-hand person going through okay. that battle. And um, okay. we went through it together. And the neatest thing is, uh, one little story, on the day he's going to get sworn in. So after he's, he goes through this hellish you know, uh, ordeal, uh, and he's coming to the White House to get sworn in on the South Lawn with the president and all. He calls ahead and he wants to come visit me in my office. And we get burgers and we sit in my little office before he's getting sworn in just to kind of say, wow, buddy, what was that summer like? And that's the kind of guy he is. I'm, I'm actually looking up on my wall over here. When I got my hair back after my chemotherapy, it came back really curly. And it says, great hair, buddy. We, <laughs> we survived. Love Clarence, right? And so it's like so, and so many things in there, right? Uh, that are just Clarence Thomas. So going back to your point, Sean, you hit it right on the on the head. He is joyful, and he's not consumed with his image, right? right. And, and right, defending right. his record, and he's gonna. So in the back of the book, if you look in Appendix B, it's the litany of humility that is in the back of the book that hangs in his chambers. It's a Catholic prayer. Um, and wow. he says it all the time. I can tell you that he says it all the time. So that's what drives him. That's what's important to him. But, but that's what he is. He's joyful. Well, I mean, hearing from you as a friend who has been in the trenches with him, um, hearing from Hillary Clinton, you expect kind of what you got, but I was really impressed by justice uh, Sotomayor and yeah. what she said about him, how she talked about his kindness and how he, she's friends, even though she says, I don't know if there's a justice on the court that I've disagreed with more as far as actual professional decisions. But she says he's the first one who'll go up to someone when you walk with him and say, is your son okay? How's your daughter doing in college? He's the first one that when my stepfather died, sent me flowers in Florida. That's what, she, I wouldn't even say she's a political adversary. She's an ideological adversary maybe she she sees things differently but she just speaks the exact same thing as you're saying right here yeah i think it's his faith and how he is but you see it in the book too when he is the first when he goes to the seminary in high school he's the one of two black students first two black students to go into this just desegregated seminary right outside of savannah in 64 and he's going to find his way through this challenging environment, right? And he says something like, okay, I get it. You know, I'm black, you're white. I get that. Got it. What do we have in common, right? And we're, we're afraid of the, the, the principle, right? We're both, we, we have a vocation. We have all these things. We're, we're you know, young men. We're, we want to be priests. What's the thing in common? So I think that's, is this through line through his life, right? When he meets anybody, whether it's a janitor or a justice, he's interested in you. Uh, you know, another story, he loves his bus, goes out on his bus a lot, right? Yeah. Uh, his wife. And I've been on a bunch of times on some trips. And I usually go when it's, we're going to go get it. He needs to get it repaired. And he had used to have a, a, a mechanic down in Richmond. He was great friends with this mechanic, right? He has a small mm. little business. His son was there. His wife was there. And this guy raced motocross bikes. And he passed away in an accident uh, last year. And Clarence Thomas went to this gentleman's memorial service. And oh. all these motocross guys there are there right a couple hundred and Clarence Thomas 
right? And he spent <laughs> the whole time there talking to everyone, shaking hands. Wow. Um, and that's the connection he has, right? Um, this guy was a friend of his. He cared about it. He knew everything about the two sons. One of them worked there uh, and his wife. And um, that is like one of like a million examples of Clarence Thomas day in and day out. And it's really, we're, we're so fortunate, right, to have him on the court, like a person who's just a great yeah. justice, but a great human being. Yeah, well, and I love that you guys made the documentary, you've written the book to bring him to life. I just, uh, I, I encourage you, if you're listening, uh, check out the documentary I've got on Amazon, even though Amazon, ironically, shut it down in February in Black History Month of 2021. It's back there now. You can get it now. <laughs> you know, it's funny on that. I sort of discovered that coincidentally. I went to go send that movie to a friend on February 8th. That's the day they took it down of 2020. Now, they say they took it down with a lot of other movies and never really figured out exactly what happened. But I wrote an article on it that was in Breitbart. It was shared 164,000 times. That movie went from like number 60 or something in documentaries to number 16 of all movies on Amazon's DVD section, not just like documentaries, like all movies for a couple wow. days. And then it was number one documentary for weeks. And it just shows you like there is this group, like huge, massive people who love Clarence Thomas. Yeah. Right. And yeah. it, it doesn't get covered because the mainstream corporate press likes to make it like he's out of the mainstream or whatever. Right. He's this dour guy, whatever. But people love him. And when they saw that happen, it was just like this explosion and i think something like three or four hundred extra comments were put on the amazon under the movie uh right. you know as a result of that, them taking it down and they didn't put it back up again this is they didn't they didn't put it back up for over a year which was outrageous that you know here's something your customers are clamoring for and angry about and they and they kept it down where can we get the book? Book is on Amazon. Book is on yeah. Amazon. It's on Barnes. We Noble. think it's on Amazon. <laughs> but you know what? We, we, uh, it sold out right away. Uh, we, you know, we were convinced, trying to convince the, the Amazon to, to stock up more because we thought it would be a good seller. And uh, of course, it, it did sell well. And it was out. So I've heard reports of it being sold out from time to time, monitoring that closely. But um, it's on Amazon. It's on Barnes & Noble. It's on all, I think, you know, sort of websites where, where they sell books in bookstores. Uh, and I... It, it, I'm 100% certain you'll, you'll love reading the book when you read the book. It's very accessible. It's broken up by lots of different chapters and subchapters, so you can just jump right in or read it right through. Well, Mark, thank you so much. Our guest, Mark Paoletta, co-author with Michael Pack of the book, Created Equal, Clarence Thompson in his own words. Mark, thank you so much for being with us. It was a wonderful conversation. Sean, thanks for having me. Thank you. Oh, Pastor Sean, come on. <laughs> Maybe the easiest interview I've ever done. <laughs> Mark, tell me about Clarence Thomas. Boom. And we're back. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all the I time mean, we have. <laughs> isn't that awesome? What a great, great conversation. You know, honestly, as I've watched Clarence Thomas throughout the years, and as you watch the documentary and as you look in the book, you see his faith is so significant to him. And obviously, you know, for me as a pastor, I'm always wanting to see how people's faith in Christ and how their following of Jesus impacts their life, their work, everything they do. And I alluded it in my question to Mark. Um, Clarence Thomas is just a man who he started to go down the road. If you when you when you 
read the book or watch the documentary, you see he started to go down a road of some bitterness and some anger. He really was moving leftist. He was becoming kind of starting to travel in Black Panther circles and kind of getting into that whole particular school of thought. And he he began to have some anger. And he really um, turned that around. And with all of the garbage that he has to face, you just see him unaffected by that. And um, I have to believe his faith is informing how he handles those criticisms. I was impressed that he went to seminary, but I'm so glad that he didn't finish or use or become a priest so that he can do what he's doing today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, when you stop and think of how accomplished this man is, uh, just, just know when you go to, we didn't really get time to talk about it today. When you go to the documentary, watch it. I highly recommend it. Uh, you'll see his grandfather. His grandfather was a hard man, but was definitely a significant role. Just the hard work, suck it up, do hard things, uh, crying doesn't get anybody anywhere. Um, you know, just a real influence in Thomas's life. Mm. Well, with that, Pastor Sean, I thank you for what the, the work you did and making this conversation happen. But let's talk about church on Sunday. Hey, church is going to be great, Baron. Uh, we're actually... <laughs> <laughs> Only you can say it like that. <laughs> Whenever the body of Christ gets together, yeah, man, of course. It's, gonna, it's awesome. The presence of Jesus is there. Uh, this is kind of a very special, unique weekend because we are really going to unpack some of what's happened in our country mm. the Dobbs decision which basically sidelined or overturned Roe v Wade and we're going to look at what does that mean for us as the church how are we to what what do we think about that mm-hmm. and we're going to look at the scripture we're going to go into the scripture because we we just assume everybody understands why we celebrate why this is good news and yet so many people are upset and angry well we want to look at what the scripture says what does the scripture say about life? And we're going to, so we're going to unpack that. And, and then we're going to talk about how do we now take this opportunity to share and show the love of Jesus mm. and carry that to a, a hurting world. So I think there's an opportunity before us. We're going to have special guest, Dave McCall, who we've had on the podcast here. I'm going to interview Dave in service. So kind of this type format, and we're just going to see where they're at now because they're having to adjust to a new reality and they see some opportunities ahead as well. So it's going to be a great weekend, 930, 1130. I hope you'll be there. Uh, if you're out of town, not able to be there, catch us at reallife.org uh, for our live stream. And it's going to be a great time in the Lord's presence. Amen. Well, Pastor Sean, would you do me one last favor? Would you close us in prayer? Yeah. Lord, thank you so much for this time. Uh, thank you for the time Mark invested. Thank you for Justice Thomas and his life and what he has meant uh, on the Supreme Court. I pray your blessing on him. Uh, I pray that you bless our listeners, Lord, and help all of us to recognize you are the center everything that we walk through. You're the center of our life, our work, our families, and Lord Jesus, when that happens, everything works out differently because you designed us for something amazing. Um, Help us to surrender to your purposes in everything we do. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.